Hello and welcome to the Talkie Indonesia podcast. I'm your host Dave McRae from the University of Melbourne's Asia Institute and today we'll be discussing Indonesian responses to August Taiwan crisis. Taiwan and its implications for broader regional stability have of course been in the spotlight of late following the visit to Taiwan in early August of US House of Representatives Speaker Nancy Pelosi. China conducted extensive military drills around Taiwan in response to Pelosi's visit in which it fired ballistic missiles over Taiwan and which saw Chinese ships and planes encroach over the median line in the strait dividing Taiwan from China. A potential invasion of Taiwan by China would likely have broad international security ramifications, as the United States and its allies could be drawn into the conflict, which would also likely cause major disruption to trade and transportation throughout the region. On the day of Pelosi's meeting with Taiwan President Tsai Ing-wen, Indonesia's Ministry of Foreign Affairs released a statement expressing concern at increasing great power rivalry, calling for the maintenance of peace and stability, and expressing Indonesia's continuing respect for the One China policy, whereby foreign countries acknowledge but do not recognize that China considers Taiwan to be a part of China. But what interest does Indonesia have engaged with Taiwan and China, and how would it likely respond in the event of armed conflict between the two? To discuss these issues, I'm joined today by Rati Kabinawa, a PhD candidate in International Relations and Asian Studies at the University of Western Australia, who is writing her thesis on Taiwan's Southeast Asia foreign policy. Rati, thanks so much for joining us on Talking Indonesia today. Hi Dave, thank you for having me today. It's my pleasure to be here at this uh, podcast. And uh, it's a real pleasure to have you on the podcast as well. Now, yeah, before we get into this August crisis around Taiwan and Indonesia's response to it, can I start by asking you, what actually are the extent of relations between Indonesia and Taiwan? And are they importantly shaped by Indonesia's one China policy? Yes, um, under the Memorandum of Understanding 1990s between the Indonesian government and the PRC government, Beijing um, consistently appreciated the Indonesian government position and consistently adhered to the one China policy. And Indonesia also, uh, it further also stated that Indonesia maintained only economic and trade relation with Taiwan in a non-governmental nature. What does that mean, non-governmental nature? It shows that Indonesia maintains only unofficial relations with Taiwan. That is on the formal policy, that is on the paper, but when it comes into the implementation of the policy itself, Indonesia maintains government-to-government exchanges with Taiwan, some cooperation as well in the field of investment, in the field of trade, manpower, higher education. They change, uh, they exchange views and they sign memorandum of agreement or understanding between government. So on, on the note, on the paper, it is said unofficial, 
but in the practical level, it is actually official governmental exchanges, but it is somehow underreported because of the sensitivity of the issues. And so far, the, the Beijing or the Chinese government also didn't really raise any concern regarding to this, as long as the Indonesian position is clear that adhering to the one China policy, then it wouldn't be any problem or issues. Sure, sure. So, I mean, what are the key things happening then between Indonesia and Taiwan? Are there a lot of, say, students flowing in one direction or other? Is it trade? You know, what what really is the, the main feature of relations between the two countries? I would say people to people. Most of the time lead by the migrant workers. Indonesian migrant workers are the first or the largest population of migrant workers among the other Southeast Asian countries. Um, we send annually around 200,000 migrant workers annually. And for the students, I talked with the Indonesian Student Association in Taiwan. They mentioned that Taiwan is one of the most favorite destinations for study for Indonesian students, especially for higher degree education, like bachelor, master, or PhD program. At the moment, uh, we have around 9,000 students every year before COVID, of course. All these statistics are before COVID, you know. It's around 9,000 Indonesian students now in Taiwan. And the the number always increases every year, especially for students, because Taiwan itself promoted its higher education diplomacy with Indonesia, attracting many Indonesian students to come to Taiwan because of they can they can they can learn Chinese or Mandarin and but at the same time some of the units or program are also offered in English. So so providing a convenience environment for students to study. And in terms of the tourism sectors, both China and Taiwan were competing each other. And both of tourists enjoy visiting Bali or visiting other cities in Indonesia. So in terms of these people to people, Taiwan, Taiwan, I would say, is leading compared to China. But then in terms of the economic trade and investment, China is leading most most likely on tangible sources like infrastructure development, investment. And we know that China is uh, among the the fifth largest trade partner for Indonesia. I think the the third largest uh, trade partner for Indonesia. So there's sort of a win-win situation both for Taiwan and China in regard to their relationship with the Indonesian government or with with Indonesia. So, I mean, I guess Indonesia has these clear interests in the number of migrant workers. It has going to Taiwan, an expanding cohort of students. There's economic ties between the countries. I guess beyond those sort of interactions, are there specific interests that Taiwan itself, the Taiwanese government, pursues in its relations with Indonesia or with Southeast Asia more broadly? Of, of course, Taiwan is lack of international recognition and with its international isolation, Taiwan needs to improve its visibility in Southeast Asia. Well, not only in Southeast Asia, in other countries as well. But the way Taiwan approach Indonesia and other Southeast Asian countries through higher education, or we could say it through soft power like higher education, tourism, culture, migrant workers or human resources development, that's the first thing that Taiwan wanted to pursue from its relation with countries in Southeast Asia, including Indonesia. And the second one is Taiwan 
tries to decouple from China. So by decoupling from China, they need new market or alternative market for their trade, investment, and economy. And Southeast Asia provide this market to Taiwan. And by decoupling from China as well, Taiwan also promotes its identity as Taiwan, making it as a distinct identity from China. Because if they keep maintaining the, the identity as a Chinese government, another Chinese government, then it would be difficult for Taiwan to gain international support. So at the moment, Taiwan promoted itself as a vibrant democracy, a beacon of democracy in, in Asia, and they invited students from Southeast Asia and Malaysia and migrant workers as well. And they were all Muslim countries or Muslim majority countries. And by the time they come, they come to Taiwan, the Taiwanese government provide halal tourism um, for, their, for them. And this kind, it shows that Taiwan accept multiculturalism. They are happy embracing diversity compared to China, which what happened in Xinjiang or Uyghur, things like that was really a soft power of Taiwan that that were used by the Taiwanese government to attract interest from Southeast Asian government. How effective has that sort of diplomacy been for Taiwan? Are there wells of support or even thoughts of recognition in any Southeast Asian countries for Taiwan? Well, it is hard actually to measure soft power because soft power is kind of winning the hearts and the minds of the, of the states. It's not like tangible things that is easy to measure, but definitely there's no changing of diplomatic sort of diplomatic recognition up until now between uh, Taiwan and Southeast Asia. But there are some indication where the Southeast Asian government or the Indonesian government are aware of the Taiwan's um, existence and they try to create it a policy different from China. So when dealing with Taiwan, they, they use this, this sort of way in dealing with Taiwan and when dealing with China, they use this sort of way. So there's a, so already a separation of policy between Taiwan and China. And by saying that, that means that it improved the importance of Taiwan. And I think what has happened uh, in the past few weeks show the growing importance of Taiwan in their relationship with ASEAN countries and Indonesia. Okay, and why do you say that? Yeah, in the past few weeks, as we've seen that Beijing increased its military exercise or military drills over the, over the Taiwan Strait, and responding to this event, ASEAN government published or issued a statement like I can say this is a consensus statement because all countries agreed to publish this statement saying that they respect, they keep their position towards one China policy. That's the first thing. That's, that is uh, from the Indonesian government itself. There is a pattern of continuity and change in its position. Like, for example, Indonesia maintain the one China policy, that's the continuation of the policy. However, if we look back to the third Taiwan Strait crisis in the 1995-1996, Ali Alatas, who served as foreign minister at the time, claimed that Indonesia will not interfere in this problem because this country is of the view of the problem of reunification of China. It's an internal issue of the Chinese people. But then uh, Retno Marsudi, Marsudi, the current foreign minister of Indonesia, tell that Indonesia need to be more 
proactive. Indonesia and ASEAN needs to be uh, need to play more constructive role in facilitating dialogue and in facilitating dialogue and become more proactive in their approach. So if we compare the Indonesia position during the 1990s and now for the current situation, I think there is a shift. Indonesia began to show its active global and regional engagement after various inward-looking policies under Jokowi's presidency. That's the first thing. And the second thing, there is a growing importance of Taiwan in Indonesia's strategic interests. Indonesia quietly advances its ties with Taiwan, and Indonesia realized that we have interests with Taiwan, especially in regard to the protection of Indonesian migrant workers. And the last one, as many European countries, Australia, Japan, and the U.S. decoupled from China, Beijing needs ASEAN and Indonesia to carry on their business and to gain legitimacy over its action in the Taiwan Strait. Indonesia is aware of this situation and use this new leverage to fulfill or to serve its interest in the Taiwan Strait. So I believe Indonesia's changing position from being quiet and toothless to being active and responsive to the current issue in the past few weeks showed that Indonesia wanted to play a more active role and there is a growing interest between Indonesia and Taiwan. I'm interested in that shift you've mentioned in Indonesian rhetoric between a kind of hands-off approach in the in the 1990s to currently signaling I guess that Indonesia would like to play a more active role with respect to regional stability around Taiwan and China. Nevertheless, if we compare the Indonesian statement to the sorts of things that, say, an Australian government has said, where Australia has been very direct in its criticism of China's actions, certainly the US inevitably has been has been very direct in its criticism. How does the Indonesian government, do you think, view those sorts of interventions from the US and, and various of its allies towards the, the current crisis? I believe Indonesian, the Indonesian government wants to maintain its neutrality in regard to the great powers rivalries between the US and China itself. And yeah, we know countries like Australia, G7, and some of the European countries condemn, like using a quite, quite strong word, condemning the Beijing's military drills over the strait for the past one week. But this kind of statement did not appear from the Indonesian government itself or the ASEAN statement itself. It's rather ambiguous for the ASEAN statement as well. For Indonesia, Indonesia mentioned this Taiwan Strait issues, but in the ASEAN, they didn't really mention or refer to Taiwan, China, the US. Um, they just mentioned all parties. So what does that mean? First, ASEAN and Indonesia clearly do not want to be involved in the great power politics between the US and China. So they keep maintain a very low key in their statement, unlike the Austral unlike Australia, Japan, or other European countries or the G7 countries. 
that's the first thing and the second thing because for indonesia itself if indonesia leaning towards the us or china it might influence the domestic politics for sure and giving that the election is just the next one or two years it will actually uh, also influence the elections and domestic politics in indonesia let's say if the indonesian government condemn beijing's action then it might have a spillover effect to the to some groups in indonesia who are against beijing intervention in indonesian economy or to, to again against beijing's discriminative or human rights abuse over muslim population in xinjiang or uyghur and in the long run this could cause resentment toward indonesian ethnic chinese so we need indonesia need to consider all these elements the domestic politics elements and one thing if on the other hand if indonesia support beijing's military actions the government may might lose their moral face in front of the migrant workers and i mean these migrant workers really depends their life on working as a migrant workers in in taiwan if then they lose their job because taiwan was invited and indonesian government the indonesian government supported beijing action then how could the indonesian government fulfills its interest to protect its citizen overseas and there would be many stakeholders pressing the pressing the government to not support beijing action so indonesia really considered this domestic politics element into their foreign policy so being neutral is so far the best decision that indonesia could do at the moment in regard in responding to the current tension or military escalation sure sure and i mean when you mentioned there's a strong domestic politics consideration in the position that Indonesia has taken. Does that mean there's also division amongst different Indonesian foreign policy makers, different domestic stakeholders over how Indonesia should respond to this crisis? Or is there actually very little debate on that front? At, at this stage, it's very little debate about Indonesia position, but some analysts, foreign policy analysts or scholars have criticized the US government visit the Nancy Pelosi visit to Taiwan saying that it is unwise and reckless and some also supported or not supported but normalized Beijing military exercise over Taiwan strait because the US were simply poked the bear so the response from the foreign policy community mostly addressed to the tension itself rather than to the Indonesian position on this issue. Okay, sure. No, that's a, that's a, that's an interesting distinction. I mean, when you mentioned the Indonesian foreign policy community, obviously another issue that Indonesian analysts have been debating quite extensively this year has been Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And even before this episode of tension between China and Taiwan, various people have wondered whether there was any template in Indonesia's response to that war in how Indonesia might respond if tensions between 
China and Taiwan were to, to escalate to the point of armed conflict there. Now, where, where you've mentioned Indonesia's avowed neutrality in the face of great power competition around China and Taiwan, certainly various Indonesian analysts have accused Indonesia of ambivalence, of being a, a fence-sitter to an excessive extent to do with Russia and the Ukraine, sort of avoiding criticism of Russia's invasion for the most part, even having the state oil firm Pertamina looking at buying discounted Russian oil in the midst of Western sanctions, although it didn't ultimately proceed with that course of action. Does that kind of fence-sitting response to the Russia-Ukraine war guide us on how the Indonesian government would be likely to respond in the event of war between China and Taiwan? I think it's a yes and no answer for that template. Yes, I mean, there would be some groups, many I would say, that would support Beijing invasion of Taiwan and condemning the U.S. intervention later on. And it is a leaving of Taiwan from discussion. This would be the, common, the most common pattern, given that this view has been narrated by many national and international media. And the issue of the humanitarian issue would be left behind, like the Russian-Ukraine invasion. However, some groups might want Indonesia to stay neutral and argue that this is China's internal affairs and Indonesia should avoid moves that can trigger Beijing's punishment towards the Indonesian economy, trade, and investment. There would be some small groups as well that might support Taiwan in this case and avoid provocative measures that could spark resentment toward the Indonesian ethnic Chinese. So I think there would be, the Indonesian public would be divided into these issues, um, at least into three groups. Just to clarify there, you're referring to the Indonesian public or the Indonesian government? The, the Indonesian public first, the, right. the, the foreign policy community first. Yeah. Okay, but I think the Indonesian government, as I said, would stay neutral in this position, considering all elements of domestic politics that I mentioned before. It's a fascinating division you've drawn there. Could you explain a bit further why you would expect the majority of the Indonesian foreign policy community to support an invasion by Beijing of Taiwan? It has been in the media several times that I observe uh, news um, around these issues from last week and most of the national media or national newspaper frame the issue as a great power politics between China and the US. And I could see two to three influential analysts in foreign policy prefer to condemn the US visit, saying that it's a reckless and unwise. So from this pattern that I draw a conclusion that if Beijing invades uh, invade Taiwan, then the majority of the Indonesian foreign policy community would actually show support towards Beijing invasion. But then I don't think so the government would really just 
take this this stand as it is the indonesian government would clearly clearly not taking any points or lean towards any of the, the great power between the the us and china so i mean that's fascinating and i guess then you're explaining that potential support for a beijing invasion is driven by i guess a latent anti-americanism in in the context of great power competition but i guess on the flip side to that my sense is that the key wariness that foreign policy thinkers, the military, many politicians in Indonesia have had towards a rising China is that it may not remain peaceful, particularly you know, where for Indonesia, you have Chinese fishing vessels supported by the Coast Guard operating near the Natuna Islands, uh, claiming those are Chinese fishing grounds. Uh, would there not be an anxiety if China were to invade Taiwan that it might seek to seize or occupy territory uh, elsewhere in Southeast Asia, even say the Natuna Islands? Yes, I think in that case, if we talk about the worriness about Beijing expansionist strategy over the Natuna Islands or over disputed islands uh, around Indonesia or around Southeast Asian countries, like in the South China Sea, of course, they would spark a huge sentiments towards Beijing invasion to Taiwan. But again, when it comes into Taiwan issues, it will also depend on how media portray the Taiwan issues. As I said, some of these people who, uh, some of this group um, who might develop sort of sentiments towards the Chinese action, they might say that Taiwan is different. Taiwan is an internal issue of China, so we don't need to be involved in China's internal affairs. And that's the first thing. And the second thing is that once the tension or sentiment towards China is rising, then we need also to be careful in narrating the discourse. Is it a sentiment towards the Beijing or towards the PRC government, or is, is it a sentiment toward the ethnic Chinese itself? And we cannot, we cannot separate or take the issues of ethnic Chinese from this issue, Indonesian ethnic Chinese, I mean, from these issues. Remember that when the when Indonesia was flooded by the Chinese migrant workers, there were quite strong sentiments against that policy. And it might spill over to the issue of ethnic Chinese in Indonesia. So it is really, I, I believe the issue of Indonesian ethnic Chinese is still very sensitive nowadays, even though there have been some progress or development for the learning or understanding about ethnic Chinese or China itself. But we had a history there several times, conflict between the local Indonesian with the ethnic Chinese. And when it comes into sentiments towards Beijing, the media, the government needs to be careful in framing or portraying the, the issues, whether this sentiment is directly against the Chinese government or this sentiment might could, uh, might spill over to the ethnic Chinese, ethnic Chinese in Indonesia or the rest of Southeast Asia. No, you're, I mean, you're right that it's a genuine issue for governments to contend with, particularly where you have a, a history of violence against ethnic yeah. Chinese Indonesians. I mean, certainly in Australia, we've seen rising racist incidents towards Chinese Australians uh, as the rhetoric of the government on China has hardened. So, yeah, I, I certainly appreciate there's an issue to manage there. 
I guess moving on from that, I guess, pro-Beijing cohort, you mentioned there would be a potentially a much smaller group that would support Taiwan in the, in the event of an invasion. What would drive that sort of response? As we know that among the ethnic Chinese population in Indonesia as well, there is some uh, small group that pro-Taiwan or pro-Taipei in this sense. And the second, the human, humanitarian issues that would appear as a result of the invasion that might attract interest from from some group that might support Taiwan. And the last one is, of course, the stakeholders that deals with migrant workers' issues. Okay, they, because last week I had a, just a little chat with one of migrant workers, Indonesian migrant workers in Taiwan, and I asked her, uh, what do you think or what she think about the situation in Taiwan at the moment? And what did she say that she hoped there wouldn't be any war between Taiwan and China or between other countries? Uh, because what they want is that to continue working in Taiwan. If they are not working, how could they earn money to live? Okay, this sort of narrative, it's really easy to play in Indonesia, considering that many stakeholders really concerned about the livelihood and the protection of Indonesian migrant workers in Taiwan. And two of the Indonesian uh, members of parliament from Guokar expressed concern about the protection of these migrant workers if the military escalation increase to the open conflict. They wanted the Indonesian government have a clear contingency plan to evacuate these migrant workers. So these people who were pro with these migrant workers might pro to Taiwan as well. Now, I mean, beyond the, I guess, the very direct response to potential armed conflict between China and Taiwan in terms of, you know, supporting one side or the other or remaining neutral. I mean, if we were at some point in the future to see a Chinese invasion of Taiwan, do you think that would spur broader changes in Indonesian foreign policy or defence policy as a result? Yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. I mean, um, if you look at from the regional point of view, from the ASEAN point of view, if the uh, conflict over Taiwan Strait spill over to the South China Sea dispute, of course, it will divide ASEAN member countries, which most of the mainland ASEAN member countries would support Beijing, and the maritime Southeast Asian countries would actually against Beijing um, invasion toward over Taiwan. That is from the regional point of view. From the domestic politics point of view, I think there wouldn't be no changes in Indonesia position. Indonesia will keep maintain its neutral position in responding to the Beijing invasion towards Taiwan. Now, Rati, there's a lot more I could ask you, but I'm afraid we're well and truly out of time. So thanks so much for, for sharing your insights on Talking Indonesia today. It's been great. Thank you, Dave, for having me in your podcast. That was Rati Kabinawa, PhD.
PhD candidate in International Relations and Asian Studies at the University of Western Australia. Talk Indonesia returns on 1 September with my co-host Tito Umbio. Until then, you can access the entire archive of Talk Indonesia episodes for free at the Indonesia at Melbourne blog or wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, this has been the Talk Indonesia podcast. Bye for now.